0: Hey, hey, you guys, episode number two coming at you and how to help your anxious teen. So I am Britt Bischoff. I am a life coach for teens and parents of teens. And here's what we talked about in our call today with our group coaching. I'm gonna come on here. Every once in a while, I tell you and talk to you about what we're talking about with kids and how you can kind of see these situations with the kids that I'm working with and how that can help you help your child, okay? So today's episode is all about how to not overreact in certain situations with our kids. And if you're anything like me, you're automatically more prone to overreact. It's like, it's like, well, what's the wording for it? It's like when you hit the reset button on your phone, it's like the automatic response, right? Is overreaction. And what we have to do is teach ourselves, train ourselves, reel ourselves in to not have that overreaction that usually doesn't bring us the result that we want with our kids. It usually doesn't help us feel like the best mom. That usually isn't helping our kids the way that we really want to be helping our kids because we're in this reactive state rather than an intentional state of response. Okay. So we're responding, we're not reacting. There's a difference. And here and we're totally talking about all the ways in which how in how you can stop overreacting and how you can actually be a person, a parent, a mom who responds intentionally, or a dad. We're not leaving the dads out. All right. So the first thing that we want to focus on when we are trying to be intentional with the way that we respond to our kids is we've got to figure out the facts, okay? The facts of the situation. So what happens is when, when we're not focused on the facts of the situation, our brain likes to run off, right? It likes to, do you know what a riff is? It likes to just riff about everything that's happening with your child right now. So for example, right? Our um, child says, I'm super behind in school. Okay. Our brain goes to freak out mode, right? Crap. They're so behind in school. And what can we do to not get them behind in school? How's that going to affect their future? Like, imagine all the thoughts that you would be thinking if your child's like, oh, I'm totally, completely failing school. All right. What we've got to do is reel it in. What does your child mean by I'm totally, completely failing school? So, for example, um, I was just on a call with um, my kids from my class and what we're going we're talking about school and and the student is like I'm so behind in school that's her thought right I'm so behind in school and so my mind's like whoa she's like on lesson like 10 she's supposed to be on lesson 60 like let's see how we can get her to to get caught up in school, and when we talked more about it, when we really figured out the facts of the situation is that there's no behind in school because she's homeschooled and she gets to work at her own pace. So do you see how her brain is like making up? I'm so behind in school. And this is likely happening when we're communicating with our kids, when we're even watching their behavior and we're communicating with ourselves inside our own brains about our kids. It's an over-exaggerated, not factual conversation that we're having. So, and this is totally fine. We all do this. This is what our brain is designed for. This is what our brain does. What we have to do, though, is we're in charge of our brain. Our brain doesn't get to like talk all, nonstop to us all day long and we're just like, yep, mm-hmm, okay, that's what we're going to do. Okay, we're going to believe that because do you want your kids doing that? No, right? So we're not going to do that either. And what we are going to do is be in charge of what we're going to actually listen to from our brain, all right? And when you want to not overreact in a situation with your child – The best thing to do here is, like I said, is go back to the facts of the situation. And when I say facts of the situation, that means like it could be proven in a court of law, right? So a lot of people are like, yeah, the fact of the situation is my child's room is a disaster, And so I want you to get really specific with the wording that you're using because when you say my child's room is a disaster, like would we all agree on what a disaster is? I imagine like a tornado and like ants on the floor because there's crumbs of food and dirty socks and dirty underwear and, and papers and crap all over the place, right? That's what I imagine as a disaster of a room. But I got to tell you, my mom would not think that is a disaster. She would think like way less than that was more of a disaster, right? And it doesn't mean she's right or I'm right. It just means we all have a different idea of what a disaster might be. So if we're talking about this room situation and we're trying to get the facts of what's happening here, So that we don't overreact, so that we are intentionally responding to our kids, we have to get the facts. So it's like there are five blankets on the floor, right? There's a pile of clothes by the door. There are two dishes, and the bed is not made. Okay, that's how specific you've got to get on the facts. And here's the reason why you want to do that in the first place. Because when you can get specific on the facts, then your brain has something specific to work with. Do you see the difference between um, my kid's room is a disaster versus there's five, my kid's room has five blankets on the floor. What did we say? The bed's not made. There's two dishes and a pile of clothes by the door. Right? It's so much more to wrap your mind around. It's so much easier to visualize. It's so much easier to work with when we have the facts of the situation. And the number one reason why we want to do this is because when you say your child's room is a disaster, it's really hard to think good thoughts about that afterwards, right? It's like, no, my child's room is a disaster. How can I turn that into something good? I don't know. That's really difficult to turn into something that is not terrible, right? But when you take it as the five blankets, the two dishes, the unmade bed, then you can turn it into whatever you want. It doesn't have to be negatively charged. It also doesn't have to be like a wonderful positive thing. It gets to be whatever you want it to be. So we're dealing with the facts of the situation. So if you can right now and you have something that you're dealing with with your child that you're like, oh, I'm trying so hard not to overreact every single time in the situation, but I just do and I don't know how to not do that, then if you have to, grab a pen and paper and figure out what are the facts of the situation, right? It could be like my daughter says I hate you. It could be it could be whatever. my. When you say my daughter's experiencing anxiety, that's not very factual, right? Because anxiety to one person might look way different to, than to another person, okay? So what are you seeing? What are the facts? What would we all agree on if we were like watching a video of what's happening? What would we all agree is happening there, okay? That's how you can figure out what the facts are. And like I said, the reason why we want to do this is so that you get to be in charge of what you want to think about those facts. The most important piece here is that it doesn't have to be a positive thing. It doesn't have to be a negative thing. And what do you want it to be? So like for, let's go back to the room example, just because it's super simple. What, how do I want to feel about the five blankets, the two cups, the um, unmade bed and the pile of clothes? Do I want to feel like rage inside of my body because of those items that are in my child, on my child's floor? Or how do I want to feel about it? What are some other ways that I, if I could choose right now how I want to feel, which I'm here to tell you you can for a second. How would I choose to feel about that? Because right now, it doesn't feel great to feel rage about my child having stuff in her room. That doesn't feel really great to me. And it's also not helping me connect with my child. And it's also not helping me help my child who is feeling anxious. I want to feel what would I want to feel? I want to feel indifferent. That's how I would want to feel is like, oh, okay, Britt, take a second. Those things are things, those things are things that can be picked up. Those things are things that if they're not picked up, I don't have to have an opinion about that right now, right? So realizing what are the facts, how do I want to feel about it, and then what do I want to make those things mean about me, right? Right? Do I want to make those things on the floor mean that I'm a bad mom and I never taught my kids anything and they don't have a work good work ethic, and they don't know how to do anything, and we're all just like operating by not have like not knowing what we're doing, or do I want those things to mean that oh, she's having a hard day, or she's a teenager, or she has ADHD? That's for my child, right? I know that it's difficult for her. Like her clean is way different than my clean. So I can see, oh, I can see how you think this is clean, right? What do you want to make those things mean? Um, and then the next question you can ask yourself, you guys, is what does my teen need right now? These are the facts of the situation. Five blankets on the floor, dish, two dishes, unmade bed, pile of clothes, I see those as the facts. And what does my teen need right now? Does she need a mom who's overreacting about the room? What does she need right now? And it's going to be different for each one of you trying to figure out what your teen needs right now. And what I want to offer here is to trust yourself that you do know what your teen needs right now. And if that's not right, then you can play around with what you think your teen needs right now. And also, if you don't know, you can always ask, right? What I see that you have these things on your floor. I see that your room's a disaster. Which one do you wanna approach it from, right? And what do you need right now? Okay, and also, you might have a teen who's like, I need, right? Like, I need you to go run and grab me some food and give me a phone. And like, that's not what I'm talking about. But what does she need right now in her life from her mom? All right. So, and then my next question here, if I can find it, because it's like, how can I give that to my teen in a way that fills how in in um, integrity integrity to what I want to give my teen and how I want to be as a mom and how can I give that to my teen in a way that is something that they also need right now. Okay, so my teen is over in the corner crying. What does she need right now? She probably doesn't need a mom who's going to bug her about her room, right? What does she need right now? She needs a mom who sees her, who recognizes that I'm having a hard time right now. She needs a mom who's offering just the support of being there for her. And that doesn't mean you need to sit and like actually physically be with them, but you get to decide what that support looks like. All right, I see my teen needs support right now. How am I wanting to give support right now? Because I've got five other kids to feed dinner to, but how can I show my support right now even with the things that are happening in my life. All right, you guys. Those are if if I would encourage you to write those questions down for yourself if you want to be someone who does not overreact to the same situation all of the time. Okay? And what's so great about this is you are showing and modeling the behavior of not overreacting. Because if we haven't learned anything, it's that our kids see and do and say everything that we do. And so you can bet that if you're overreacting in certain situations, that's probably you can see right now and think back, is that translating into what my kids are overreacting about? And am I seeing that from them as well? So the more you work on being intentional responders rather than overreactors, the more you're going to model that for your kids and they're going to see that and learn from that and start doing the same things you're doing. Um, You can even walk them through these questions that I've asked you and help them to answer these things for themselves. So um, let me know your thoughts, you guys, on how to not overreact in specific situations, and you can apply this to each and every situation, you're not going to get it right the first time, right? It's not going to be like, oh, I wrote all the answers to those questions down and I figured it out and it's going to work every single time. (laughs) That's not how it's going to work. But you do get to answer those questions for yourself in each situation that you have and become more of an intentional responder rather than an overreactor. All right, you guys. See you in the next episode.